stated that it was the 23rd of March two days ago and this day is known as Yawm al-Masih i.e. the day of the promised Messiah in the Jamaat. On this day, the promised Messiah took the first bath i.e. pledge of initiation and by the grace of Allah the Almighty, the Jamaat also holds gatherings in relation to this day in which the claims of the Promised Messiah the purpose of his advent in accordance with the need of the time, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, prophecies regarding the Promised Messiah and also various aspects of his life, etc. are highlighted. On one occasion, the Promised Messiah mentioned the importance of his advent in accordance with the need of the time in the following manner. He writes that God Almighty has bestowed a great blessing in this era, in that owing to his honour, he has sent an individual in support of his religion, i.e. the religion of Islam, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, an individual who speaks among you in order to call people towards this light. If such disorder and corruption had not existed at this time, and if the various efforts in order to eradicate the religion were not made, then there would be no such need. In other words, there would be no need to send someone. However, as you see, nations in every direction are bent upon eradicating Islam. In whichever direction one observes, they will see that efforts are being made to destroy Islam. And the same situation was prevalent at the time as well, when the promised Messiah made the claim, and the same is the case even today. However, most Muslims are unable to comprehend this. In any case, the promised Messiah stated that I have mentioned this in Brahim Ahmadiyya as well, that 60 million books against Islam have been written and published. And it is strange that the population of Muslims in India is also 60 million 
the population of the Muslims was 60 million at the time of when the promised Messiah mentioned this. And the number of books against Islam also amount to the same. Thus, even if we dismiss the recent increase in publications, our opponents have already handed a book into the hands of each Muslim living in India. And so, if the honour of Allah the Almighty had not been aroused, and if the promise of inna lahu lahafizun, that is, most surely we are his guardians, were not true, then most certainly Islam would have been eradicated from the face of the earth today, so much so that not even a trace of it would have remained. However, this could not be possible, for the hidden hand of Allah the Almighty is safeguarding it. Following his claim, the Promised Messiah mentioned how the succour and support of Allah the Almighty was with him and how the prophecies of Allah the Almighty mentioned in the Holy Quran are being fulfilled in favour of him and also how the prophecies of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in relation to his Mahdi and Messiah are being fulfilled. As I mentioned that various gatherings are held during which people will have heard these details and they are also being expounded upon in the programs broadcast on MTA. And people should therefore listen to these programs. At this moment in time, I shall present some writings of Hazrat Muslim anhu. These are those incidents or matters which Hazrat Muslim anhu witnessed himself or heard directly from the Promised Messiah And also, some of these narrations are those which were related to him by those who witnessed them directly, among whom are those who belong to the community and also others. On the one hand, these incidents display the truthfulness of the promised Messiah and on the other, they also draw our attention towards reforming ourselves and strengthening our faith. However, if after having heard these accounts, we do not pay attention to reforming and bettering ourselves, then there will be no benefit in listening to them. Therefore, we must listen to them with this mindset, and even at this present time as well, so that they may become a means to strengthen our faith. The opponents of the Prophets have always had the habit of claiming that whatever knowledge and wisdom the Prophets impart has been taught by someone else. In fact, there is an allegation against the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in relation to the Holy Quran that God forbid someone else was teaching him. However, this is a book that no one can present the like thereof and this is a challenge of Allah the Almighty. In any case, I shall mention with regards to the promised Messiah والسلام, that when he wrote the book Brahin Ahmadiyya, he stated at the beginning that he would write a certain number of volumes. 
But later, when he was appointed by Allah the Almighty, he stated that these matters have now been taken into the hands of Allah the Almighty and this task is in his hands. And therefore, according to the circumstances, he shall continue to present those subjects which are taught to him by Allah the Almighty. The opponents raised the allegation that someone was writing this to him and the promised Messiah would simply present that. Hazrat Muslim has written in relation to this in one of his speeches that in that time there was a newspaper named Zimidar and another by the name Ihsan. Hazrat Muslim stated that these newspapers in opposition always write that a certain Mulvi Chiraghdin Sahib of Hyderabad would pen these writings and then send them to the promised Messiah which he would then publish in Brahini Ahmadiyya. And as long as he kept writing to him, the promised Messiah would continue writing his books. But as soon as he stopped sending his writings, the promised Messiah also stopped writing his book. Hazrat Muslim Aud further states that I do not understand what has happened to Molvi Chirag Ali Sahib. What is the matter with him that he would send the noteworthy points he could think of to the promised Messiah and yet keep other minor points to himself? After all, Molvi Chirag Ali Sahib is a writer, so place his books alongside Brahini Ahmadiyya and compare them. He has some books, so place them alongside Brahini Ahmadiyya and is there any comparison? Look at the status of Brahim Ahmadiyya and then look at his writings. Furthermore, how could he write and send such work which are unmatched? Yet when he wishes to publish some writings under his own name, there is no such notion of that work therein. Firstly, what need did he have to even write and send anything to the promised Messiah And then if he was to even send anything, he ought to keep the best to himself and send the rudimentary work to others, as is the case with Zorq, a poet of the past. Everyone knows that he used to write poetry for Bahadur Shah Zafar, yet both Divane Zorq and Divane Zafar are available even today. And it is evident, after analysing these, that the eloquence and articulacy found in the poetry of Zorq are not to be found in that of Zafar. It is therefore clear that when he sent anything to Zafar, it would only be the surplus and not the best of his work, even though Zafar was the king. Hence, even the simple-minded can understand that even if Mulvi Chiragali did send any writings to the promised Messiah it would have made sense to keep the most intellectual points to himself and to send the basic points to the Promised Messiah However, the books of the Mulvi Chiragali Sahib are available and so are the books of the Promised Messiah So place them alongside one another and compare them. There is no similarity between the two. Mulvi Chiragali Sahib has only compiled references from the Bible in his books. Whereas the promised Messiah has presented such knowledge of the Holy Qur'an which no other Muslim was able to present during the last 1300 years and not even a hundredth or even a thousandth of this knowledge is even present 
in his I Mulvich Ragali's books. Then, whilst mentioning the clamour raised by the clerics and the opponents of the promised Messiah Hazrat Muslim Aud has written in one instance that when the promised Messiah made his claim, his state and that of his followers was seemingly very weak. Hazrat Muslim Aud states that I was born prior to the claim of the promised Messiah and even though I did not witness the very beginning, I did witness the time that followed right after, i.e. when he developed his senses. That era was also one of great frailty for the community. The clerics were inciting the people in various ways and causing harm in every way possible. Yet, they could not halt its progress, and the works of Allah the Almighty continued to be fulfilled. Then, in regards to the response of the Promised Messiah to all the opposition he had to face, Hazrat Muslim Allah states that many a times I have heard the Promised Messiah state that people hurl verbal abuse at me and I become troubled for fear that they are ruining their life in the hereafter as a result. And on the other hand, if they do not verbally abuse me, I also become troubled because without any opposition and resistance, the Jamaat cannot progress. In other words, when they hurl verbal abuse, they are also propagating the message of the Jamaat. Hazrat Muslim Allah further states that the Promised Messiah used to say that I also take pleasure when people hurl verbal abuse at me. Therefore, one should not pay heed to allegations and ill speech. Hazrat Muslim Allah then quoted a Punjabi proverb which the Promised Messiah used to mention. That is, although a camel laments, but its master is still able to load his belongings on it by stroking it with his hand. And so, no matter what others would say, the promised Messiah always advised that one should always treat others with tenderness and love, and in turn Allah the Almighty would bestow his grace. For others would emerge from among those very people and would accept the truth. At another instance, in reference to this opposition, Hazrat Muslim Allah states that when the promised Messiah made his claim, there were only a few individuals who had accepted him. However, after some time when Atam stood against him, people were put to a trial because many began to think that the prophecy of the promised Messiah was not fulfilled according to its literal meaning. Thereafter, Lekram also stood against him. And though the prophecy of the Promised Messiah regarding Lekram was fulfilled immaculately, the Hindus became impassioned in their hostility towards him and began to oppose him severely. Similarly, when Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Sahib Batalvi began to gather edicts against the Promised Messiah, the Jamaat faced another great trial. Again, when Dr. Abdul Hakim fell prey to apostasy, then Jamaat underwent another trial. In short, with the passage of time, there have been a great many disturbances to the extent that those observing the Jamal thought that this would be the end of the community. However, God Almighty brought about the means to remove each and every disturbance and instead of bringing ruin upon the Jamal, each strife resulted in its progress and honour. And all of this is happening today as well. <laughs> 
Hazrat Muslim Maud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu further states that observe the extent of opposition. There was great opposition in the time of Hazrat Muslim Maud as well. And he states that how people caused disturbances for the Jamaat in various ways and how people thought that now Ahmadiyyat would be erased. However, every single time, instead of disappearing, by the grace of God Almighty, the Jamaat progressed even more than before. And this is the history of the community and such is the history of all divine communities. And along with this, the opposition also continues. Even now, nothing has changed and by enduring the very same opposition, the Jamaat is progressing and God willing will continue to progress. The opponents are exerting their strength and the hypocrites are also exerting their strength. But Allah the Almighty fulfills His objective and He will surely fulfill His promises, God willing. Then during a speech, whilst referring to this opposition, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala stated, the one aspect of this is that due to the hostility that people harbour, they do not pay heed to what we have to say. Their hearts become angered and this indeed is disadvantageous to us. But on the other hand, there is another aspect as well. When someone hears words of opposition, then they begin to investigate whether the people are as awful as others say. They desire to observe for themselves, and when such a person makes their own observation, then they are left astonished, because what they had heard from others turns out to be completely wrong. In other words, the things said by the opponents are completely contrary to what the Ahmadis say and thus they accept the truth. Hazrat Muslim Allah further states that I remember when I was young, the Promised Messiah was once seated in the mosque in a gathering and a person arrived from Rampur. He was originally from near the vicinity of Lucknow, but he lived in Rampur. He was a short and thin man and he was also a writer and a poet. And the nobleman, i.e. the Nawab Sahib of Rampur, had officially appointed him to write a dictionary of Urdu metaphors. He joined the gathering and introduced himself as a resident of Rampur and an attendant of the nobleman of Rampur. The promised Messiah asked him what had prompted him to visit her and he replied that he had come to take the bath. Upon this, the Promised Messiah stated that there are not many members of our Jamaat in that area, i.e. in the area of Rampur, and our message is not propagated there very much. So who from that area prompted you to come here? Hazrat Muslim anhu states that these words have echoed in my ears until today and I am unable to forget them. And despite the fact that I was only 16 years old, this man spontaneously replied that it was Mulvi Sanaullah who had prompted him to come here. Hazrat Muslim anhu states that due to my young age, I probably could not understand what he had said, but the promised Messiah started to laugh upon hearing his reply and asked that how so? Upon this, the man replied that some of the books written by Mulvi Sanaullah came to the royal court of Nawab Sahib and Nawab Sahib would read them and would tell me to read them as well. And I thought to myself that I should seek out the references of Mirza Sahib mentioned in these books and then see them for myself. I thought that by doing so, I would have collected excellent material to use against Ahmadiyyat. However, when I found and read those writings, I realised that the subject matter was completely different from what I was told. And so this intrigued me even more, 
and I thought to read more pages. And when I had read even more pages, then I came to the realization that the honor, esteem, and grandeur of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mentioned by Mirza Sahib, cannot be found in the hearts of these people. He further stated that I have a keen interest in the Persian language and coincidentally I came upon the Persian Durissamin and I began to read it. And once I started to read it, my heart became clear and I decided to come and pledge allegiance. Thus, where opposition causes disorder, it also comes with advantages. And in light of both circumstances, we should prepare our strategy for propagating our message. If prophets do not face opposition, they still become worried because as mentioned by the promised Messiah opposition is the means of progress. And while speaking on this very topic, Hazrat Muslim anhu states that the Egyptian government was very well-known power in its time. In other words, in the era of the Pharaoh. And the king was very proud of his influence and strength. And so, in the face of such a powerful king, Moses held no authority. And after visiting the king, he was threatened and was told that his people would be destroyed and that if he does not desist, then he too would be eradicated along with his people. However, Moses did not desist despite everything and stated that I will surely deliver the message I have been commissioned to give by God and no power in the world can stop me. Jesus did the very same thing and so did the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Muslim anhu states that this is the same resolve we witnessed from the promised Messiah Hazrat Muslim anhu states that we have seen with the promised Messiah that the entire nation was against him even the government in one way was against him although towards the latter years that was not the case. Nonetheless every nation was against the promised Messiah all the followers of other religions were against him. The clerics were against him. The custodians of shrines were against him. The ordinary people were against him. The rich and notables were all his enemies. In short, there was a storm of opposition raging all around him. Many people tried to persuade him, and some others under the guise of friendship said to retract some aspects of his claims. And some said that if he were to abandon such and such claim, then everyone would join his community. However, the promised Messiah did not show any concern for this and instead would always openly present his claim. People would raise a hue and cry, people would be beaten and killed. Yet despite all of these difficulties, and despite the fact that the promised Messiah was up against an entire world, and according to the apparent means, the promised Messiah did not have the power to confront them, but still he continued challenging them. In fact, I remember vividly that on many occasions the promised Messiah would say, that the example of a prophet is similar to the fable often narrated by people. It is said that there was a woman in a village who was not in her senses. And whenever she would leave her home, the young children would gather together to tease her and they would mock her and annoy her continuously. In response, she would swear at the children and curse them. And one day the villagers consulted each other and thought that the woman was innocent and their children irritated her unjustly. And so, owing to her simple nature, she curses the children. 
They said that what if her curses turn out to be true and we ought to therefore stop our children so they do not tease her and so she stops cursing them. And so after this consultation, they decided that the following day every villager would keep their sons at home and nobody would be allowed outside. Thus the following day, everyone told their sons that they would be no longer permitted to leave the house. And as an extra safety precaution, they bolted the doors and when dawn broke, the senile woman came out of her house as normal. When she began roaming the streets for a while, she would go down one street and then another, but she would not see any of the boys. Previously, it would so happen that one boy would be pulling on her hem, another would pinch her, and some would be pushing her, whilst others would be clinging onto her hand, and others would be mocking her. However, on that day, she did not see a single boy. So she waited until the afternoon, and when she saw that not a single boy had come outside of their house, she decided to go to the market and stopped at every shop and would say, Has your house collapsed? Have your children all died? What has happened that nobody is around? After a while, when she visited every shop and said the same thing to everyone, the people thought that they were still receiving abuse and she was still cursing them. And they also received curses when the boys teased her as well. So what is the use of locking them away? So let the children go outside. Hazrat Muslim Allah further states that after narrating this fable, the Promised Messiah stated that in a way the case of the Prophets resembles this, in that the world teases them, mocks them and acts unjustly towards them. In fact, they persecute them so cruelly that it is difficult for them to live their lives. Then a realization develops in the hearts of one faction of society that they are acting unjustly and that they should not do so. The Promised Messiah then said that Prophets cannot abandon the world. When the world does not cause them pain, the Prophets themselves shake the world and awaken them from slumber. They spread the message to them and explain to them the teachings which they have brought. They increase in their preaching endeavours so that the world begins to pay attention to them. Then with regards to Prophets dealing strictly, it is often asked why Prophets are strict in their conduct. In relation to this, Hazrat Muslim Allah states that the Prophets are never strict for any personal reason, but only to establish the authority of Allah the Almighty in the world. If they ever show strictness and display their honour, it is only for this reason. And with regards to their own being, they show the utmost humility. Regarding this, there is an incident of the Promised Messiah والسلام, that once in Lahore, whilst passing through a street, a person pushed the Promised Messiah owing to which he fell to the ground. The Promised Messiah salam's companions became enraged and they were almost about to beat him. But the Promised Messiah said that he became enraged in support of the truth, meaning that after listening to the clerics declaring Mirza Zaib to be a liar, he thought that he would exact revenge. And so he has done this because of what he considered to be the truth. Therefore, the Promised Messiah said to not harm him. Prophets, therefore, never say anything with regards to their own beings. In fact, they only speak out to establish the honour of God Almighty. One should not think that Allah's Prophets also act in this way, i.e. if they ever act in a strict manner. There is a huge difference between them and ordinary people. They only act in this way for the sake of Allah the Almighty, whereas ordinary people act harshly for their own sake. Hazrat Muslim further explains, Thus, if someone develops this understanding that they are indeed weak, then such a person can never go astray. 
because that person would always focus on their own weaknesses and seek help from Allah the Almighty. A person goes astray when they think that they are right and as a result of this their arrogance becomes manifest. Therefore we ought to look at the example of the prophets and always show humility and in fact this is the way to safeguard oneself from sin. There is another extract of the Promised Messiah in relation to this. The Promised Messiah would always mention the incident about the prayer of Hazrat Muawiyah. Once he offered the Fajr prayers after its actual time had passed. However, owing to this mistake, he did not stumble. In fact, he progressed. And Satan did not take hold of him. But instead, he tried to attain the pleasure of Allah. Thus, only the one who has a realization of sin can abstain from sin. And when one becomes careless towards sin, it is at that point that they fall into trial. Therefore, a believer ought to ponder over the verse Ihdina Sirat al-Mustaqeem that guide us on the right path. And they ought to understand that they are not safe from dangers and they can only consider themselves to be safe when they hear the voice of God. Therefore, one ought to analyse their weaknesses. For a person who holds themselves accountable for their weaknesses, the doors to spirituality are open for them. And a person who fails to do this, the paths to spirituality are closed for them, and such a person falls astray. Then on one occasion, the Promised Messiah stated that without effort in one's worldly endeavours and in one's religious endeavours, a person can never attain honour. The Promised Messiah would say that in this era, God has ensured that all honour is gained through me. Now those that will attain honour will be either my followers or my enemies. Just observe, the people who gain repute will either be a follower of the Promised Messiah or his enemy. In other words, they consider themselves to be enemies due to religious reasons. Thus, the Promised Messiah would state, Just look at Mulvi Sunaullah Sahib. He is not the most eminent scholar, for there are thousands of clerics just like him throughout the Punjab and India. If he has built up a reputation, then that is due to opposing me. Whether these people accept it or not, but this is the reality, that today a person will gain honour through supporting me or by opposing me. In essence, we are the main focal point, And if our opponents gain fame, then that is because of us. And this is exactly what we are observing even today, that if the clerics are earning a livelihood, or they have earned a position, then it is due to their opposition of Ahmadiyya. And now even politicians of certain countries, especially Pakistan, wish to further their careers by opposing Ahmadis and thereby holding on to their seats. Then with regards to the ploys and schemes against the Promised Messiah Hazrat Muslim Aud writes, People conspired against the Promised Messiah they lodged murder cases against him, but Allah the Almighty rendered the ploys of the enemy ineffective. In an attempted murder trial, Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Batalvi came to give evidence against the Promised Messiah And he thought that if the Promised Messiah was not handcuffed, then at least he would be able to see the Promised Messiah humiliated in court, God forbid. However, despite the fact that the deputy commissioner before whom the case was presented was English and he opposed our community, 
And also, when he was appointed in this district, he had said that why has he, i.e. the promised Messiah, still not been punished? For he disrespects our Messiah, Jesus, and says that he has died. Now I will be the one to punish him. However, when the promised Messiah appeared before him, Allah the Almighty ensured the means that as soon as he saw the countenance of the promised Messiah all his enmity vanished and he asked for a chair to be brought for the promised Messiah and asked for it to be placed near him. And so the promised Messiah sat down. Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Sahib Batalvi had only come to see the promised Messiah humiliated. And so when he saw that the promised Messiah was seated on a chair, he could not tolerate it. And so he asked the Deputy Commissioner, Captain Douglas, for him to also be given a chair. Mulvi Muhammad Hussain thought that if the accused can sit on a chair, then why would the witness not get a chair to sit on? However, when Captain Douglas heard this, he became enraged and in a very stern tone said, that you will not be given a chair. Upon this, Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Sahib said that in the courtroom of his lordship, my father would have a chair and so I should also be given a chair. I am an advocate for the Ahli Hadith, and I also have a right to a chair. Upon this, Captain Douglas said that enough with your nonsense, move back and stand up straight. Instead of witnessing the promised Messiah being humiliated, God Almighty in turn humiliated Mulvi Hussain. This is what transpired inside the courtroom. When Mulvi Sahib came outside, in order to show the people that he received a chair inside as well, he came outside and sat on a chair in the veranda. However, since a servant always does what he sees his master do, when the clerk saw that Mulvi Sahib did not get a chair inside, that is now sitting on a chair in the veranda, he thought that if his superior officer saw this, he would be angry with him. And so he immediately rushed over and stated that you do not have permission to sit here, please vacate the seat. In this way, those outside were also able to witness for themselves how much respect was given to Mulvi Sahib in the courtroom. Overcome with rage and fury, Mulvi Sahib moved ahead and sat on a sheet of cloth that someone had laid outside on the floor. Incidentally, the person whom the sheet belonged to arrived and said that get off my sheet as it will become impure for you have come to give testimony in the court against a Muslim and in favour of a Christian. Thus, one ought to remember that when Allah the Almighty bestows his help, then there is no one that can stop it. Let alone an officer in the police or a policeman, even the most elite of men have no guarantee of life and Allah the Almighty can destroy the enemy in a matter of seconds. Hence, one ought to prostrate before Allah the Almighty and supplicate to him. Indeed, it is destined for believers to be subjected to trials. Therefore, if one remains patient and continues to remain occupied in prayer, then Allah the Almighty shall remove those trials. There was a debate between the Promised Messiah and the Christians and the proceedings of this debate have been recorded in the Promised Messiah book Jang al-Muqaddas, i.e. the Holy War. Whilst mentioning this debate in one of his sermons, Hazrat Muslim anhu has stated with reference to Hazrat Khalifa Awwal Hazrat Khalifa Awwal used to say, that we witnessed an incident during the debate with Atam whereby initially we were left perplexed. 
But then our level of faith ascended as high as the heavens. Hazrat Khalifa Awal would say that when the Christians became tired of debating and realized that none of their arguments were fruitful, they tried to create ridicule by mischievously gathering a few Muslims who were either blind, deaf, unable to walk or physically challenged and made them sit to one side prior to the debate. When the promised Messiah arrived, they immediately brought these people before him and said that one cannot resolve disputes through dialogue. You claim to have come in the likeness of Jesus and he would grant sight to those who were blind and grant the ability to hear to those who were deaf and he would heal those who were physically challenged. And so, in order to save you from any trouble, we have gathered some people who are either blind, deaf or physically challenged. If you really have come in the spirit of the Messiah, then cure them of their ailments. Hazrat Khalifa Awal would say that we were also sat there at the time and upon hearing them say this, our hearts completely sank. Even though we knew that there was no truth to what they were attributing to Jesus but still our hearts sank for we thought that today they have the opportunity to mock and ridicule. However, when we looked towards the promised Messiah there was not a single expression of any kind of displeasure or anxiousness. When they finished saying what they had to say, the promised Messiah stated to the Christian priest that according to the teachings of Islam, my belief regarding the Messiah in whose spirit I have come did not heal such blind, deaf and physically challenged people. In fact, this is your belief that Jesus physically healed such people. Moreover, the promised Messiah stated that moreover it is written in your book that if one has even the slightest level of faith, they can move the mountains upon their command and if they place their hands over the sick, they will be cured. Thus you cannot pose this question to me, for I can only demonstrate those miracles which my master, Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa showed. So if you seek those miracles of me, then I am ready to show them. As for those kinds of miracles in question, your book has mentioned that if any Christian who possesses faith even as much as a grain of mustard seed, then they can show such miracles as shown by Jesus. Thus, you indeed have saved me from the trouble by gathering these blind, deaf and the physically challenged. They are now present here, and if you possess faith even as much as a grain of mustard seed, then grant them cure. Hazrat Khalifa Awal would say that the Christian clergymen were left astounded by this response and some of the most reputable priests began to remove those sick people from there. And so, Allah the Almighty bestows honour upon His close servants at every occasion, and He teaches them such responses by which their opponents are left completely stunned. Then there is an incident relating to the opposition towards the Promised Messiah which took place in Sialkot. As the Muslim mode states, that the Promised Messiah travelled to Sialkot and the Molvis issued an edict that whoever attended the Promised Messiah lecture, their marriage would become annulled. However, Hazrat Mizza Sahib Salam's personality was so captivating that people completely disregarded the edict and so the Molvis stationed people along the way in order to stop them from going. They also gathered stones so they would throw it at those who did not stop and they would even drag people away from the actual venue so that they could not listen to the lecture.
Beatty Sahib was the city inspector in Sialkot at the time and later became a superintendent in the police force. However, I do not know what office he holds now. This was at the time of narrating this incident. Beatty Sahib was responsible to oversee this event and when people began to raise a hue and cry and started to create disorder, Beatty Sahib had also heard the lecture of Hazrat Sahib and was therefore astounded because the lecture was against the Arya and Christians and even if whatever Mirza Sahib had said was against the views of the Mulvis, even then no allegation could be levelled against Islam. What was said was against the Christians and if they were true then it proved the truthfulness of Islam and therefore there was no reason for the Muslims to create disorder. And even though he was a governmental officer, however, he stood up and addressed the Muslims saying that he, i.e. the promised Messiah states that the God of the Christians is dead. So why are you becoming enraged? He claims that the God of the Christians is dead. So does this not go in your favour? Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states, Hence, this is precisely the manner in which they treat us in other words, the opponents. From what it appears is that they don't mind if someone from amongst the Muslims enters the Arya faith, so as long as they do not listen to the words of Mirza Sahib Hazrat Muslim further states that the fact of the matter is that this view of theirs is not correct. We, however, are affected if a Muslim changes his faith. As a Muslim then states that the promised Messiah would often state that, O oh my heart, have consideration for these people, for after all they claim to be the beloveds of my Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Thus, we feel pain when they change their faith or stray away from the truth. On one occasion, someone said to the promised Messiah that I have great admiration for you, however you have made a huge mistake. The fact is that the ulama, i.e. the scholars, do not listen to what anyone says because they know that if they accept it, then that would be a means of humiliation for them and people would say that they couldn't think of it and someone else understood the matter correctly instead. Hence, in order to make them agree to something, is that one has to make them be the first ones to say it. When you realize that Jesus had passed away, you should have invited some of the most prominent scholars to a meeting and then presented this matter before them. You should have explained that by believing in Jesus to be alive strengthens the position of the Christians. Subsequently, they cause harm to Islam by raising allegations. They claim that our Prophet has passed away and the founder of their faith is alive in the heavens. Hence, he is more superior. In fact, he is God. And so you should have posed this question to them and asked for a response. And the scholars you would have invited would have asked you for a response. And then you should have said that though the view you hold is the one that is correct, however, my view is that such and such verse of the Holy Quran proves the death of Jesus. The scholars present would have immediately agreed to it and would have told you to announce it and that they would support you. This was the method this individual proposed to the Promised Messiah in order to convince the scholars to agree with the Promised Messiah He then further said, 
then in the same way you could have said that the Ahadith mentioned that the Messiah is going to return. However, if Jesus has passed away, then what would those traditions mean? Upon this, one of the scholars would have said that you are the Messiah and in this way, all the scholars would have agreed to this. Upon hearing this suggestion, the promised Messiah stated that if my claim was merely owing to human endeavour, then no doubt I would have done it in this way. However, this was owing to the commandment of God and I did just as God informed me. Ploys and deception I employed in response to the deceitful ploys of man. However, divine communities never have any fear of these. This is not our work. Rather, it is the work of God and He is the one who shall convey this message. The occurrence of the eclipse of the moon and the sun is a very well-known incident in our Jamaat. A Molvi who opposed the Jamaat and perhaps lived in Gujarat would always say that people should not be deceived by the claims of Mirza Sahib for it has been clearly recorded in the traditions that one of the signs of the Mahdi is that in his time the sun and the moon will be eclipsed in the month of Ramadan. He would say that so as long as the sun and the moon are not eclipsed in the month of Ramadan, one should not believe his claims to be true. It so happened that he was still alive when the prophecy regarding the eclipse of the sun and the moon was fulfilled. One of his neighbours was an Ahmadi and he mentioned that when the sun was eclipsed, the Molvi became anxious and went on top of his roof and whilst walking from one side to the other, he would repeat, Now people would definitely go astray. Now people would definitely go astray. What he failed to understand was that by accepting Hazrat Mirza Sahib upon the fulfilment of the prophecy, people would be guided and would not go astray. The Christians at the time of the advent of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also believed that all the signs had been fulfilled which were mentioned in the earlier scriptures. But on the other hand, upon hearing of the claim of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, they would say that it was a sheer coincidence that a liar had claimed to be a prophet. In the same way, the Muslims believe that the signs are being fulfilled, but it so happened that a liar has made the claim. This is the condition of the Muslims, and what is astonishing is that this incidentally only happens to a so-called liar and not a truthful person in their eyes. Then regarding the promised Messiah salam's earlier life, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala says that every evil takes root gradually. Never is it the case that a person goes to sleep whilst being truthful and wakes up as the worst of liars. He never lied about anyone, yet as soon as he wakes up he begins lying about God. Accordingly, let us examine the life of the promised Messiah before his claim. He announced many times to the Hindus, Sikhs and the Muslims here that can you raise any allegation regarding my past life, yet no one had the courage to respond. In fact, they would attest to his piety. Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Batalvi, who went on to become a staunch opponent, attested in his publication that the promised Messiah Salam's life was pure and free from fault. Then in his newspapers, Mr. Zafar Ali Khan's father attested to the fact that in his early years, the promised Messiah was a virtuous individual. Hence, how could it be that a person who had been unblemished and virtuous for 40 years completely changed and went astray overnight? And psychologists agree that the flaws and moral faults develop over time, as opposed to an immediate change in a person's morals. 
Therefore, ponder over how unblemished, flawless and enlightened the promised Messiah والسلام's earlier life was. Then let us see how Allah the Almighty helped the promised Messiah Regarding this, Hazrat Muslim Maud writes, God's help accompanies his prophets. One cannot be considered as a messenger of God if they do not experience his help. People come close to ending the Prophet's life. However, God's help comes into play and renders his Prophet successful whilst causing his opponent's plots to be completely foiled. Such was the opposition against the promised Messiah Various plots were hatched to kill him. People were even appointed to kill him, but their plots became known and they failed. False charges of attempted murder were made against him, such as the false murder charge filed by Martin Clark. In fact, someone even said that he had been hired by the promised Messiah Moreover, the magistrate, thinking that no one had yet seized this claimant to being the Mahdiya Messiah, and so he would be the one to do it. However, the same magistrate said that in his view, this was a false charge, and he continued repeating this. Eventually, that person was separated from the Christians and kept in the custody of the police officer. And eventually, the person began crying and confessed that he had been taught by the Christians and thus God completely annihilated this false charge. Similarly, Hazrat Muslim Allah states that Molvi Umruddin Sahib Shimlavi is a passionate missionary of our community. He recounts his own incident of how he became an Ahmadi by assessing upon the same standard. He recalls that in Shimla, Mulvi Muhammad Hussain, Mulvi Abdul Rahman Siyah and some others were consulting about how they should challenge the Promised Messiah Mulvi Abdul Rahman Sahib said that the Promised Messiah had announced that he would no longer engage in debates and so they should publish an announcement for a debate and if he responds then they could say that he lied by first publishing an announcement saying that he would no longer engage in debates with anyone and yet he had now accepted a debate and if he did not accept the debate then they could simply raise a hue and cry that he avoided the challenge. Upon this, Mulvi Umruddin Sahib asked why all of this was necessary, for he would simply go and kill the Promised Messiah and put an end to the matter. Upon this, Mulvi Muhammad Hussain said, that, Boy, what do you know? We have tried everything. The thought occurred to Mulvi Umruddin Sahib that if God is protecting someone so much, then he must be from God. Although he was just a boy, Yet he thought that if Allah the Almighty was protecting him so much and protecting him against all the plots being made against him, then he must have been sent by God. Then, when he was returning after having pledged allegiance, he met Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Batalwi at the station, who asked where he was going. He replied that he had just returned from Qadiyan after having pledged allegiance. Mulvi Muhammad Hussain said that he had turned out to be very evil and said that he would write to his father. He replied, Mulvi Sahib, whatever has happened was because of you. Thus, the opponents try to end the beloved of Allah the Almighty, and yet he continues to be saved. God helps him with new knowledge and honours him in every field. Similarly, Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Batalwi Sahib also claimed that he would destroy Mirza Sahib. Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Batalvi Sahib had been childhood friends with the promised Messiah and he would stay in contact with him and would praise his writings. But immediately after the promised Messiah made his claim, he, Mulvi Muhammad Hussain Batalvi Sahib said 
that he was the one who had elevated him to this rank and now he would be the one to destroy him. Then the promised Messiah Salam's own relatives announced and some even published in newspapers that this person had merely taken this up as a way of earning money and should not be given any attention. Thus, they attempted to turn the entire world against him. Hazrat Muslim further states that I was old enough to remember that many workers who are known as Kammi in farming terms refused to work at the Promised Messiah salam's home. The workers refused to work at the home of the Promised Messiah salam, despite him belonging to a family of landowners. The proponents of this were in fact members of our own family. Hence, our own people and strangers alike wished to erase and completely destroy him. However, God said to his servant that a prophet came to the world, but the world did not accept him, but God will accept him and will manifest his truth with powerful assaults. A lonely and helpless man stood in Qadiyan, where the mail arrived only once a week, where there wasn't even a primary school, where people did not even have a single rupee's worth of flour. This person was neither a cleric, and nor did he possess much property. Although the promised Messiah belonged to a respectable family, but he did not possess a great deal of property like royalty or noblemen. He stood as a single man before the world and announced from the very outset that God would spread his name to the corners of the world. Is there anyone today who can say that the name of the promised Messiah did not reach the corners of the world? Today we see that there is no corner of the world where the name of the Promised Messiah has not reached. The Promised Messiah states, a liar's falsehood is enough to destroy him. Any undertaking which serves to prove the majesty of Allah the Almighty and manifest the blessings associated with his Prophet and is a plant which has been planted by Allah the Almighty's own hand, then the angels protect it. Who then can destroy it? Remember, if my movement is a mere business, as people have said, then any remnant of it will be erased. However, if this is from God, and surely it is from Him, then even if the entire world opposes it, it will increase and flourish, and the angels will protect it, God willing. And even if a single person does not remain with me, and no one helps me, I have firm faith that this movement will prove successful, inshallah. May Allah the Almighty enable us to honour our pledge of allegiance to the promised Messiah and spread his message throughout the world. And may we reap the blessings and rewards of Allah the Almighty. And may we never be among the disloyal, rather we become counted amongst those who are loyal. May Allah the Almighty grant us the ability. I will announce a website that I will be launching today. This is yet another means of spreading the message of the promised Messiah to the corners of the world. This is the community's website in Kurdish, islamahmadiyya.krd. This website will be overseen by Dr. Ismail Muhammad Sahib, along with a team consisting of members from the Kurdish Jamaat. The purpose of this website is to give Kurdish readers the opportunity to learn about the Ahmadiyya beliefs by reading about them in their own language for the first time. This website will be primarily in the Surani dialect of Kurdish, while there will also be some material in the Badini dialect as well. This website will comprise of news, articles, commentaries, books, Friday sermons and a video section.
and with the help from the Kurdish Translation Committee, various books of the Promised Messiah and other Jamaat books will also be available on the website. There will be books of the Promised Messiah and books of Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih II along with other Jamaat literature, including the philosophy of the teachings of Islam, Jesus in India, the need for the Imam, the truth of the Mahdi, invitation to Ahmadiyyat, the institution of Khilafat and others. Inshallah, the website will be launched after the Friday prayer. May Allah the Almighty make it a source of blessings. I would also like to say that continue praying in light of the current world situation. May Allah the Almighty save the world from destruction and grant sense to people and enable them to recognize their Creator. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, وَمَنْ يُضْلِلُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ اللَّهَ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا